Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, Fast Pitch 2016 winner Hope McIntyre, the artistic director of Sarasvati Productions, will tell us all about transformative theatre, as well as her experience with Fast Pitch Winnipeg. Then we'll tell you about how a new project at Marymount is helping the lives of victimized and exploited youth here in Winnipeg. Then we'll find out about Can You, which is a program that's helping kids learn, gain confidence, and build positive relationships. And finally, Noah Ehrenberg will join us in studio to talk about this week in citizen journalism through the lens of community news commons. All this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Good morning and welcome to River City 360. Nolan and Robert with you here this morning. And Robert, there's a pretty big milestone being celebrated this coming week. Absolutely. So on Tuesday, which is April 26th, the Winnipeg Foundation is celebrating its 95th 95th birthday. That's incredible. Very few organizations last that long and it's kind of an impressive feat that that the foundation has been such an integral part of winnipeg for so so long and Um, the other part of that is of course that uh the winnipeg foundation was canada's very first community foundation exactly set set the way for many to follow it after that so happy birthday to you if it's your birthday today and happy birthday to the winnipeg foundation 95th anniversary coming up on tuesday so robert i understand we have a very special song to play at the top of the show today Absolutely. So everyone, get your party hats on. We've got Walter Ostenek, and here's Happy Birthday Polka, right here on River City 360. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning, and we are now joined in studio by a very special guest. She is the winner of the Fast Pitch Winnipeg inaugural event, Hope McIntyre, Artistic Director of Sarasvati Productions. Hope, thanks for joining us. Thank you. So we wanted to have you on the show because you are a champion. You are (laughs) the winner of Fast Pitch, as we mentioned, and we just wanted to talk to you about who you are, what you do, and what Sarasvati Productions uh, is and does. So maybe give our listeners the Fast Pitch of... (laughs) What is Sarasvati Productions? 
Sarah's Vadi is transformative theater. So our goal is to use theater to create social change. We work with community groups to address issues that are important and relevant and build plays around stories that aren't often told and then take those plays to audiences so that they can see the world through someone else's eyes and hopefully learn and create a dialogue that uh, transforms the community at large. I think part of what resonated with me uh, during your fast pitch was really connecting the ability to sort of help people grow and make social change through the arts because you don't normally put those two together. So how give, give me a real world example of how you do that exactly. Absolutely. Well, right now we're working on our mental health project. So for the last year and a half, we've been doing interviews. Uh, we've created forums like theater-based workshops for people who, to come and share their stories, learn th- some theater skills, but also tell their experiences around mental health. And we've worked with Selkirk Mental Health Center, going out there to do interviews. And then our artists compile all these amazing stories and experiences into a script. And we take that script back to the community for readings so that we can make sure that we've created something that they believe represents them properly. And then we produce it as a show. So often it's a two to three year process of making sure that this feedback loop is in place so that we're really honoring the stories we're hearing. And not only that, you, it seems like you have the agility to respond to certain things as they pop up. You know, mental health only recently became sort of front and center in what we talk about in Winnipeg and in Canada. But uh, you said two years ago, but wh- where, how does it start? Where does it go from there? Who pitches the ideas? Like, give me, give me a... Well, what's been interesting is when we started in Winnipeg 15 years ago, it was a lot of us kind of looking at our community and figuring out what was important, what topics were we seeing causing controversy or causing tension or lack of understanding. And then in recent years, more and more, we've had groups approach us now that we've been established and we've worked with groups. So, you know, a few years ago, Voices, Manitoba's Youth and Care Network, they came out to see a show we were doing about the recruitment of newcomers into gangs. And their youth said, hey, why don't they do a show about our stories? So they approached us. And that launched our process, which led to Giving Voice, our play about youth in care. So now there's this really great relationship we have with community groups where we are able to kind of respond to issues that they're seeing while also addressing issues that that we're seeing. Part, part of your pitch said that you had two passions of... of um arts and, and acting and stage and drama and also you really wanted to help the community so tell me about how you came up with the idea to put this those two together and why that became a passion of yours absolutely I think it was from a very young age a huge conflict for me uh, my mother uh, had founded the Amnesty International group in Saskatoon where I grew up uh, advocacy and and helping and human rights were a huge part of my childhood but I loved telling stories and I loved theater. So there was many times in my life where I was like, I, I don't know what to do. I want to do something impactful. So I decided to pursue theater. And what I discovered in my BFA and then moving on to do an MFA in directing is by choosing the projects I wanted to create, I could do both things. So when I graduated and explored kind of options in the industry, I realized that forming a company and finding like-minded artists was the best way to be able to do both things. And that's really how Sarah's Vada came about. Do you find that people in the arts uh, are typically 
very receptive to sort of helping out in, in social causes as well? Like those people tend to sort of congregate together, have you found? Absolutely. I think part of it is you can't really be an artist without being in touch with humanity. <laughs> like you have to understand what motivates people. You have to understand what resonates. You have to be sensitive. And so a lot of artists, I think, are, are very much about their community and about ways that they can use their form to tell stories that will resonate and somehow contribute to us understanding the human experience. Absolutely. I, I think you mentioned it earlier. Part of it is just sort of starting a conversation and getting a dialogue going and some very, you know, sometimes difficult things to talk about. So um, I, I guess I can commend you upon that. We are speaking with Hope McIntyre of Sarasvati Productions. Uh, after the break, we'll talk to her about all about Fast Pitch 2016 and what she needed to do to win the entire competition. But first, here's The Temptations with The Way You Do the Things You Do, right here on RC360. Welcome back to River City 360. We are continuing our conversation with Hope McIntyre of Sarasvati Productions. So, Hope, let's talk about Fast Pitch a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and first, why did you want to get involved with it? And how did you get involved? Well, we're lucky to uh, have had a lot of support from the Winnipeg Foundation in the past. So uh, we got the email uh, about Fast Pitch. And I was intrigued, I think, because we're at a stage where we, we feel we're doing good work. But the community at large and and sectors outside of the arts community don't know about what we're doing. And so it it was really appealing to me to find a way to spread that message. And that's that's why I thought Fast Pitch would be great, not only because it would give us that network in business communities, but it would help us learn how to talk about what we do in a way that people could understand because in the arts world we know what we're doing and we understand the impact but most people outside of that sphere don't necessarily yeah even in that case it's sometimes hard to draw the conclude or draw the um connection between social change and and watching a play for example you know some on on the surface it doesn't necessarily look like that's that they coexist together but um i thought you did a great job at your during your three minute fast pitch (laughs) of of really sort of showing and telling how that how that happens. Um, talk a little bit about some of the impact that you've seen firsthand and, and either people or stories that you've helped through Sarasvati. 
Well, I, for me, the, the impact always comes with the moments after the shows. So we've had many experiences where audience members or uh, youth when we're doing school tours have come up to us and said, that was my story. And thank you for sharing it. Uh, we've had many occasions where people has, have said, you know, nobody understood what I had gone through. And now my peers do because they've seen it through my eyes in the play. Oh. And I think that's really important. And then the empowerment uh, of those who've been involved with the process. So many times people will say, no one's ever asked me before about my story, how I ended up here. When we worked with women who were incarcerated, they a lot of them said, no one has ever asked why I ended up in prison. And so it really made a difference for them to feel that their story had value. So we see it on both ends, like as part of the process and the results. Right. And it's pretty heavy topics in some sense, right? But being able to sort of put it on a stage and say, this is it, like this is real, here we are. It's, it kind of makes it easier for people to talk about and to relate to. And digest. And I think we also, you know, when we work with these communities, most of the times they say, you also have to find humor or the hope or the possibility because Anyone who's struggled with a mental health issue knows that, you know, you really appreciate the moments of light and and the recovery stories are so important because it's also about saying that that there are ways to to continue to live a happy and fulfilled life. And so we often are are trying to find that balance, too. For sure. Um, During the fast pitch process, it was a three, four month process. Talk about some of the highlights for you, uh, what you learned about yourself, about your company, about everything. Well, I th- it was interesting because after the finals, when I was talking to my coaches, uh, Bailey and Paul, who were both fabulous, um, Bailey said, you know, my highlight was when we first met at Second Cup for coffee and we just talked for like an hour and a half about what Sarasvati is, what we do, our stories, what we've created. And, you know, neither of them had any idea about what the company did. And I think that was important for me to realize that uh, we haven't been bragging enough. We haven't been sharing those stories enough. So that was a great moment for me to really reflect back on what we have accomplished. And then along the way, like trying to get that down to three minutes, that was my my biggest challenge because there's so much to talk about and we've covered so many topics and how do you prioritize. And, and so it was fun to have their feedback on what resonated to them and what they felt we should keep. And then when they arranged for me to come and kind of do practice pitches uh, for the associates at Aikens Law. That was fabulous. Because again, when else does an artist get to come and talk about their work in front of a bunch of lawyers, right? So that was a a definite highlight. And then the other community groups. Oh, I I loved hearing their pitches and seeing the progress from our practice sessions through to the semifinals, through to the finals. I learned so much about these wonderful organizations. Even the word you chose there, we don't brag enough. I don't even think you need to consider it bragging. Just telling your story, you know, it I don't think anyone would constru- misconstrue that as bragging because it's just you're, you're telling your story about what you've done and, and what you want to continue to do. So um, what what's going to be happening with Sarah's body moving forward now? You won first place. Uh, you got a nice lump sum of money. Where Where's it going? What's it doing? Well, we're super excited uh, because at the end of May, we are doing stage readings of our mental health project. So we're going to be working throughout May with actors, composers, artists, and the, the community we've developed the piece with to get the script on its feet and incorporate some design elements and then showcase that to get feedback from the wider public. And in that process we're also adapting what we've written for like the wider audience into a youth-based version 
Um, and with the, the fast pitch funds, we're now going to be able to expand our plans to tour this project oh, cool. into schools. So awesome. we're going to take a version for youth into the high schools. And I'm so excited that we can do that to schools that may not be able to afford it otherwise. Definitely. So how would you reflect on the entire experience as a whole, getting to know all these uh, nonprofits and people from the business sector and just sort of the whole experience? How, how, did, how did it make you feel? Fabulous. It was, it was absolutely amazing. Like there was times where I was like, what have I gotten into? Because it was a lot of time commitment, but very worthwhile in terms of the skills that it allowed to develop and getting the word out and the new relationships that we formed with both business and other community organizations. So I think it was, it was inspiring. And our board, I have to say they, a lot of them came and it's inspired them, I think, to tell the story of the company and to be proud of what we're doing in a whole other way. So that was a a benefit I hadn't even really thought about, like how it affected the rest of our organization. Great. So where can our listeners go to, um, like when when will the uh, Mental Health Project be available for the public? Yeah, so the staged readings are going to be running from May 22nd to May 28th. Uh, So it's all on our website, sarasvati.ca, at the Asper Centre for Theatre and Film. And then the full, full production will be May 2017. Um, anyone who's at a school or works with the school and think youth should see it will be touring it in October and November of 2016. Awesome. So for more information, sarasvati.ca? Yes. Great. Well, thank you very much, Hope McIntyre, for taking the time. And congratulations again for winning Fast Pitch Winnipeg. Thank you. Thanks, Nolan. If you'd like to learn more about Fast Pitch, you can visit the official Fast Pitch website at fastpitchwinnipeg.org. Coming up after the break, we will tell you about an institution in Winnipeg that's been around for over a century and how they're helping victimized and exploited youth gain the tools that they need to succeed. You're listening to River City 360. Welcome back to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning. Um, So have you heard of a place called Marymound? It's been around for over 100 years, and River City 360 recently visited the heritage site and found out about its rich history, uh, how Marymound got started, and how its new complex needs and mental health service is helping vulnerable young women and men here in Winnipeg find their way out of difficult situations. Marty Yeager, Mary Mound's manager of fund development, took RC360 on a tour of Mary Mound, which includes the Leacock Estate, a heritage mansion built by E.P. Leacock in 1882 in the Scotia Heights neighborhood that's close to Kildonan Park. Until 2015, the Leacock Estate was the residence of the Sisters of the Good Shepherd, who founded Mary Mound in 1911. So for over a hundred years, these nuns made it their life's work to help marginalized young people in Winnipeg. Marty spoke of how women were often treated around the time Marymount was founded and why the need for Marymount's mission was so important. In that time, in the early 1800s, women were looked upon, especially women that were involved in the tra- sex trades, they were looked upon as less than cattle. So most of the nuns, the service groups that the nuns were working for were hospitals, the elderly, uh, disabled people. Nobody was really working with uh, marginalized women. 
The Good Shepherd organization is in 73 countries and has over 650 missions worldwide. Marymound works with young people and their families who are engaged in high-risk behaviors and who have been exploited and victimized. Up to 75% of these young people are indigenous and are suffering from the intergenerational trauma of residential schools. Marymount is embracing traditional indigenous teachings, spirituality, and cultural rejuvenation to help combat the problems these young people are facing. One of the values that the sisters instilled in, in all of us, and I was fortunate enough to be here for the last 15 years, so I got to know them, um, spirituality is very important. Um, they were, they really didn't care whether you were Jewish, Muslim, uh, indigenous, Catholic, it didn't matter to them. What mattered to them is that you were spiritually grounded. Um, so for us, it's important for our kids, we work with 75% indigenous kids now. It was important for us about 12 years ago we established the cultural program because we felt we needed to um, help the kids get re-engaged with their heritage and their culture and their traditions. Since the nuns vacated the Leacock estate, Marymount is renovating the space to hold a new on-site graduated care home for some of the most vulnerable young women. This space is part of the new complex needs and mental health service, which is for the 50 to 100 young women who are constantly in and out of the social services system. You know, these kids are consumers. They're involved with the police, they're involved with justice, they're involved with the hospitals, the emergency rooms. We can, we can do a lot of work at a much lower cost in the child welfare system than the healthcare system can do. Uh, everything they do is very expensive and costly. If these kids don't end up in the merge and they come here, there's a, cost, there's a cost savings to the system overall as well. What's great about this new program is that the young women come in, they stay in a six-bed assessment and stabilization unit, and when they're ready, they'll move on to the graduated care facility which will eventually be housed in the Leacock Estate. After a stay of up to a year and a half, they will move back into the community, but they'll never lose contact with their supportive workers. This is currently not the practice. Here's Mary Mound's CEO, Jay Rogers. Unless you continue to support these kids at age 18, they end up homeless, they end up in jail, they end up on EIA, they end up in missing. rooms. Yeah. Marymount has launched a $5 million capital campaign to extensively renovate Leacock Estate. The Winnipeg Foundation is supporting the initiative with a $500,000 grant drawn from the Moffett Family Fund. You can read all about this story and many others that we've covered on River City 360 in the Winnipeg Foundation's Spring Magazine that's out this week. Visit www.wpgfdn.org for more information. Coming up after the break, we will learn more about Can You, which is a program that's helping kids learn and gain confidence, and it's also helping mentors develop their leadership skills. But first, here are the Supremes with Can't Hurry Love, right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you. And our next story talks about a program that's really helping kids to learn and also to gain more confidence and to build positive relationships. Meet Isa. She's a grade 6 student participating in CanU, which matches kids from grades 5 to 8 with mentors at the University of Manitoba. She told us that through the program, she's learned to make new friends and be who you are. There are other different kinds of people just like you, and that helps us be ourselves. Isa is one of about 400 students who take part in CanU. The 14-week program operates four days a week during the school year as well as during the summer. The kids, who may not otherwise have the chance to attend university, come to the University of Manitoba campus, share a healthy meal, and then explore different fields of study, so kind of similar to what a university experience would be like. After learning from different faculties, they then get to choose their major from one of the various CanU academies, and these academies include art, science, musical theater, or even superhero. Roger Barrington is the executive director for CanU, and he explained the motivation behind the program. If a person has hope for the future, they will be able to develop the strategies to reach their goal, right? A a hope allows them to see the future. They then have uh, developed the strategies to do it, and hope gives them the resiliency and the perseverance that's necessary when an obstacle gets in the way of them, uh, their goal. So hope theory is uh, is foundational to what we're doing. Beyond the cool academic and sport and and art programs, music programs, foundationally we're about hope and confidence. And relationships are a big part of that. And those connections have been key to CanU's success. But it isn't just the participants who benefit. The university students who mentor also develop their leadership skills and can potentially receive credit toward a practicum in their program. Brooke Cochran is a third-year science student who's been volunteering with CanU for three years now. I personally love coming to CanU. It's like it's a good break for from school because it's just three hours and it's fun. You like hang out with all these kids who love you and want to hang out with you. And, So I like it because it's something to look forward to in the week. Ken Yu has grown exponentially since its establishment in 2010, when there were only 18 students and 40 mentors. Today, there are 400 students, as we mentioned earlier, and more than 500 volunteers. Part of the challenge that we face is creating a sustainable future for Ken Yu. We've got some amazing partners that help fund our programs, but we need to, we know that we need, uh, you know, we need a sustainable future. We're now entering, a, and we've been basically in our first few years of existence, we have existed almost exclusively on grant applications. And we, I think, I personally wrote 78 grant applications in the first five years of our existence. To ensure that the program is sustainable, can you recently set up an agency fund at the Winnipeg Foundation, where gifts to the fund are pooled and invested, and a portion of the interest provides a stable annual revenue stream? Can you is also working on setting up a scholarship fund with the Winnipeg Foundation, and for each year students attend Can You, they can apply for a $1,000 scholarship toward an education at the University of Manitoba. 
Michelle Honeyford, who is an assistant professor at the University of Manitoba's Faculty of Education and helps coordinate the CanU program, says that the experience gives kids opportunities that they might not have at school, as well as a chance to develop positive relationships with peers and mentors. I think they see talents and, you know, interests developing and get excited about that as well. Um, and, and they're recognized for that. Somebody's looking out for them. Somebody is, you know, having that conversation with them. Someone's asking them about their day. Someone's really doing their best to engage them in whatever it is they're doing. And they're going to keep modifying it and tweaking it and adjusting it around them. And I think, I think that's a very positive place for kids to really shine and be themselves and figure out what that means. If you'd like to learn more about CanU, you can visit their website at canucanada.org. That's canu, that's the letter U, canada.org. You can also read the full story about CanU and others, as Nolan mentioned earlier, that we've covered on River City 360 in the Winnipeg Foundation's Working Together Spring Magazine, which is out this week. Coming up after the break, Noah Ehrenberg joins us to talk about the latest in citizen journalism at Winnipeg's own citizen journalism website, Community News Commons. But first, here are The Bachelors with My Foolish Heart, right here on River City 
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning. We're now joined in studio by Noah Ehrenberg, friend of the show and convener of Community News Commons. Noah, thanks for joining us. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Just great. That's good to hear. Mm -hmm. So every week we ask you to come in and tell us about what's happening on Community News Commons, which is a citizen journalism project sponsored by the Winnipeg Foundation. Um, so what is, what's been written on CNC this week? Well, my favorite story, or at least one, all of them They're are They're all your babies, favorite. I yeah, imagine. That's right. It's like your favorite child. Exactly. But most of the stories uh, are, are very interesting. In fact, all of them are. Uh, the one that I really liked this week was by Kathleen O'Grady, that uh, it is tax time. Oh, yeah. uh, Thanks for the reminder. Yes. So you you should be filing your taxes if you haven't done so already. And uh, Kathleen, uh, in this story, looks at 10 medical expenses that you can claim on your tax return. Um, so medical know, expenses like what? Well, you know, like, um, you know, as as Canadians, we kind of take pride in our healthcare system. You know, everything is funded. But we all know that there are many things that we pay out of our pocket right. uh, for when it comes to sort of a wide range of essential health services. So, for example, if uh, you or your dependent traveled more than 40 kilometers from home for medical services and the equivalent services weren't available near you, you could possibly deduct uh, those costs. Like the you, mileage from the gas? Exactly. Or? Oh, really? Yeah, even if those costs were, for example, incurred outside of Canada. Okay. Um, or, for example, if you need uh, to learn how to care for a dependent with a physical or mental impairment, the cost of training for you or a relative is also eligible. Wow. Uh, different so there's co- 10 tips like that? 10 tips like that. Yeah, and in, <laughs> I mean, basically, it's I mean, like a service animal, for example, you know, for somebody who's blind or somebody who has epilepsy, that all the costs associated with that animal are eligible uh, for a tax um, uh, deduction. I would imagine not everyone knows that, you know, those sort of obscure rules that you can... For sure. And, and, you know, a lot of our listeners would have, you know, done things and paid out of their pocket for, you know, like if maybe you had to build a ramp to get into your house, that would be considered tax deductible as well. So you should check out communitynewscommons.org, Kathleen O'Grady, 10 medical expenses you can claim on your tax return. Sounds brilliant. So Kathleen is one of many citizen journalists that write for CNC, how would one get involved if they have a story to tell? Well, it's easy. All you do is go to communitynewscommons.org, just sign up on the top right-hand corner of the site. It says become, there's a little button, become a citizen mm-hmm. reporter. You can just click on that. It takes two minutes to become a citizen reporter. Basically, you sign up, you create your own profile, and then you can utilize me as a, as a resource, as an editor, to help you tell that story. And, and you so, being a, a veteran journalist of over 20 years now, am I? Almost 30. Holy I'm cow. i to say. Well, that's even more experience <laughs> to take advantage of. But one of the things that we do offer, aside from sort of this ongoing editorial mentorship, throughout the year is um, training sessions every spring and fall. And okay. we've got some training sessions coming up May the 24th they begin. That's Tuesday. Uh, and every Tuesday and Thursday evening from May the 24th until June the 30th we will have uh, training sessions at the Millennium Library and also at the Winnipeg Free Press Cafe in the Exchange. And who can come to these? Anybody. They're oh. free, open to everybody. As The way the project is open, it's basically open to people of all ages and of all abilities. And we have professional journalists from from the Winnipeg Free Press, such as Dan Lett, teaching advanced writing, Iris Uday from CBC wow. Radio, teaching uh, how to do a radio story, uh, Ruth Bonneville from Winnipeg Free Press, teaching how to take a good photograph. So you're basically getting f- free education uh, from 
pros and experts exactly. on how to be a good journalist. Exactly. The so world needs that. So I think so. Good, and if you want to see the details on the schedule and how to sign, basically we ask people to register even though it's free because we want to know how many people are right. coming. Uh, you just go to the site, communitynewscommons.org, and you can see all the details there. That's fantastic. So you don't have an excuse. If you have a story to tell, go to communitynewscommons.org, sign up to become a citizen journalist, sign up for the free training sessions, and uh, tell your story because everybody's got a story. They sure do. So at the end of our time together, we like to ask you to bring us a local song or or just a song that our listeners may not have heard of before. Uh, so what have you got for us this week? Well, this week I thought I would feature a uh, singer-songwriter named uh, Renee Lamoureux, and uh, she is ready for the spotlight. Um, she's also uh, known for being one half of the acclaimed duo Keith and Renee, uh, but she set, uh, well, actually, she's just released her uh, Murray Pulver-produced sophomore album called Dare to Be You. And uh, that was just last night at um, the West End Cultural Center. Oh, cool. uh, she um, released this album. And um, Murray Pulver is a terrific uh, Manitoba, uh, maiden Manitoba musician who has gone into the world of producing music. So uh, this album is uh, very, very good. And it's called Dare to Be You. And from that album, I would like to play a tune called I'm a Fighter by Renee Lamoureux. The album is Dare to Be You right here on River City 360, CGNU 93.7 FM.
That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you very much for listening, and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us today. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, visit us online at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with Community News Commons and CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback about the program. Please give us a call, or if you'd like to wish the Winnipeg Foundation a happy 95th birthday, leave a message on our listener line. You can call us at 204-944-9474, extension 360. Leave us a comment about the show, request a song, or suggest a topic for a future show. It's up to you. Leave us a message anytime. Again, that's 204-944-9474, and our extension is 360. We're also on Twitter and Facebook by searching at RiverCity360 on Twitter, or just regular old RiverCity360 on Facebook. I'm Nolan Bicknell, signing off for RC360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great Sunday.